The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. Hi, this is Jeffrey, co-host of Roll and Tell, an actual play podcast with two players and no game master. It's a show about using random tables and logic to go on an improvised adventure where absolutely no one knows what will happen next. Well, no one but the dice, that is. This episode is Into the Wilderheath, Parting Gifts. Our party is about to leave the city where their story began, the city of Austeel, home of the elves. Unfortunately, on the morning of their departure, they are visited by an old adversary. The only thing is, we don't know which of our old enemies it is. Because on our show, all the characters, the locations, and what happens to our heroes is all determined by the roll of the dice. So, how about we find out together which of our dangers is about to rear its ugly head? Thank you for listening. Welcome back, gentle folk. A new day is about to dawn in the city of Austeel, and with it, the time has come for Lewid, Abigail, Diote, and Lydia to begin their long journey to the Ring of the Hand. Will our party ride peacefully into the sunrise? Or does the city of Austeel have one last surprise for them? Only the dice know. So, listener, the time has come to roll and tell. Welcome back to Roll and Tell. I'm Christian. And I'm Jeffrey. We are your players, your storytellers, and a couple of eggs about to be served up for breakfast. Mm, I hope we're good. <laughs> we are delicious. We are the tastiest eggs out there. Now that we've been fried up with a little bit of salt and pepper and some mm. oil, we're going to be perfect. Perfect. Just On the skillet. two fried eggs. Yep. And I imagine that like the yolks aren't touching, but the whites have have melded together because like it's like we're holding hands oh no our yolks are definitely touching our yolks are about to spill over into each other Mm -hmm. okay anyway (laughs) um tell us about a little bit about why we're here jeffrey yeah so we are roll and tell we are an actual play podcast with two players no game master only chaos only and today christian we are about to embark on a grand new adventure for our party, Lewid, Diodi, Abigail, and Lydia. Lydia's a player character now. Yeah, dude. Isn't that so exciting? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. She does some very different things from everybody else. First off, we need to 
figure out what our first scene of today's episode is going to be. And this is going to be a big one. We know today is the day that Abigail starts heading back to the ring of the hand with the party. Yeah, and that party initially is going to consist of, obviously, Abigail, Lewid, Diodi, Lydia, and Thebia is going to tag along for a little bit. Yeah, Lady Thebia of the royal family. Yes. That, that I mean, like, normally, if you're off on an adventure, you would just go off, but we have to remember that literally everybody in this party is wanted in some way, shape, or form. Yes, <laughs> which is really crazy. So I don't think leaving the city to disembark is going to be the easiest task. So, Christian, I propose that this scene is, while we are sleeping at the Eye of the Anvil, we are going to be ambushed by guards trying to apprehend us before we escape. Yeah, which, logically, that makes sense. The fact that the tavern was crowded the night before, there had to be somebody who saw us and relayed some information to yeah. the knights and the guards of Austeel. Surely. So I think that scene is very logical, but of course we have to roll to see if it happens. Yeah. Currently we're out of chaos seven. So let us see if this scene happens. That is an alteration. All right. So you rolled under a seven. So that means we're altering the scene. Well, you roll a what? What did you roll? Exactly? I rolled a one. All right. So you rolled a one. And yeah, and odds underneath chaos or at chaos are alterations. So we said that it was going to be guards that are ambushing them. Yeah. Is somebody else with them? I have an idea. I think I might want to make the suggestion that one of our arch nemesis are here. Either Corliss is accompanying them or Lady Soline is with them. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was I was actually, yeah, I was going to recommend that one of those two is even accompanied by some knights. Yeah, some of the knights, just not not just guards, but knights yeah. are here as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, let's roll to see which it is. I'm going to say, yeah, roll for, if it's over 50, it's Corliss. If it's under 50, it's Lady Celine. If it is 50, it's both. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, yes, if it is 50, it's both. I okay, like that. well, then I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, it's Lady Celine. Lady Celine, who, of course, um, if you... Haven't listened to the Creating Lydia episode yet. Lady Celine is... How would you describe her, Christian, since she's kind of your character? Early on in this story, we decided that many family members lived in the Austeel Castle. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just Thebia, Lottie, and Corliss. Uh, those were just the three that we decided to roll up in that moment. And Lady Celine is another member of the royal family. We rolled her up as an inept mediator and her motivations to deter freedom. The way that I see Soline is that she's really wanting a position of power similar to Corliss, but she's kind of in Corliss's shadow and she is taking control wherever she can of not only fellow family members, but of citizens as well of Austeel. And that's kind of what she's done with Lydia, is that she has taken it upon herself to basically use a leverage of, you do these things for me, or else. She likes to get citizens and criminals indebted to her so she can use them as agents for her secret operations. And Lydia was one of these agents. Lewid, her brother, doesn't know that was the case, because Lydia hasn't shared that, but that is the truth. And so um, I'm sure this is going to be upsetting for Lydia, because this means that 
Lady Celine might be coming to get her. The city of Ostiel, still shrouded in a shadow, the sun barely about to hit the horizon. Everything's quiet in this city. Many districts are filled with sleeping elves. This district specifically that we find ourselves in, the Broken Giant, has more than just elves. It's a very diverse district. But still, everybody is quiet. Everything is calm in this early, early morning. In the middle of the Broken Giant is a giant bone, a rib bone, that has fallen from the waterfall. And inside this rib bone is a tavern called the Eye of the Anvil. And while everyone peacefully slumbers in the rooms upstairs in this tavern, the front door is shut tight, and there is a small glowing ember from the fireplace in the main tavern room. Everything's peaceful in this moment, until there's a pounding at the front door, and a shout that echoes throughout the entire tavern. In the name of the royal family, open this door this instant. We have reason to believe that you are housing criminals of the state. Open this door now. And these words echo through the halls of this tavern. And immediately, Lydia, you are woken up by the shout. She was having a fitful night's sleep to begin with. She doesn't sleep very well as she just pops up out of bed we see a rather beautiful elven woman. She's young, 19, and her hair is just rather messy and frizzy right now. And she hears this noise, and it's almost like she expected something bad to happen. So she just takes her hair, starts bundling it up, and puts it in a messy bun on top of her head. And she starts looking around the room, and she's just saying, Damn it. Damn it. I, I knew I knew this would be a problem. And she's looking for a way out of this room that's not the door. Is there another, is there like a window or something? Odds. I think it's likely. Yeah, likely at Chaos 7. Okay, yes, yes. There is a window. There is a window. Lydia, you look around this room and there is a window across from the doorway. It's big enough for an elf to fit through, for sure. She's doing her best to keep her composure, but she is panicking. She looks at the door and she knows that her brother, Lewid, and also all of her little sisters are in this tavern still, and they're going to be in trouble too. She's going to go to the window and she's going to open it up. She's going to take a peek outside. And when you peek outside, you hear another banging from the front door. The next thing you hear, as you have your head outside of your window, you hear your door open. It's a small old man that says, I'm gonna go answer the front door, but all of you, do what you need to do. Uh, thanks, Numpits. Uh, this looks bad, because Lydia is looking out, and she sees a full band of guards and one knight of Austeel in full armor. And there's also someone else you recognize down there, just simply by the cloak. You can't see their face exactly, but you could recognize that cloak around this person anywhere. Lady Soline is down among the guards and the knights. It's almost like Lydia's heart stops. And like a child again, she only can think of doing one thing, running to her older brother. And really quickly, do a dexterity check for me. A defied danger dexterity. Full success. Okay, perfect. 
as you're looking out the window and thinking of all these things about how just absolutely rotten of a situation this is, you start to see that roped figure turn their head up towards your window as if they're starting to notice. And as her head is turning, Lydia, her instincts kick in and she just sidesteps off to the side and becomes like a shadow, impossible for anyone to see her. The next thing you hear are two elves running into your room. It's your brother, Lewid, and his girlfriend, Abigail. Lewid is about to like speak loudly, but he sees that the window is open in time, and he lowers his voice and he says, Lydia, what is happening? I, um, well, there's, uh, there is a member of the royal family outside, and she is accompanied by guards and a knight. We are in, we are in big trouble, Lewid. And as you finish saying that, you hear a voice shout from outside. Oh, little shadow, I'm here with everybody you know and love. Now, stop hiding from us. And if you wouldn't mind, bring out your brother as well. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is Thebia in there too? Please, little shadow, don't make this hard for us. Just come out. All we want to do is talk. Lydia is trembling in a way that Lewid, her older brother, who looks, he's the spitting image of her with his long blonde hair, more kempt than hers is. He likes to take care of his hair, but he is the handsome counterpart to her beauty. He hears this and he says, I don't recognize that voice. Who is that? And who is this little shadow? And Abigail, before Lydia can even respond, she sticks her nose up into Lydia's face and says, Yeah, who did you lead here to find the rest of us? I didn't lead anybody here. I've been hiding here for a while before all of you showed up. Yeah, but they're not addressing any of us, are they? Look, we'll, we'll deal with that when we can, but we need to get out of here. The people down there are... They are dangerous, and we need to make sure that my sisters and all of us get out safely. And Abigail puts her frustration aside and just agrees. She nods and says, Yeah, has anyone seen Diodi? Do we know? Is he okay? Uh, I'll go check on Diodi. Lydia, please collect our sisters, and you know this place better than I do. Is, is there a way out? Is there an alternative way out? Yeah, other than the front door and, <laughs> and the windows. I'm going to say this is less likely than that last roll with the window. Yeah, um, I think very unlikely. It's just a bone. Um, right, exactly. It's a building built into a bone, so unlikely, right? I think it's unlikely. There is. There, there is, is another exit. Wow, there is another exit. Did Numpits build a little secret exit in here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, or I could even see, like... For, um, like, import purposes, maybe there's, like, another door at the back of, like, the kitchen or something that leads yeah, to the Yeah, I mean, like, it's just door. out into the back alley, maybe, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That makes the most sense. There's a back exit for the kitchen staff. Yeah, there's a there's a back door for the kitchen staff, but, I, I mean, Lewid, they're not dumb. I have a feeling that they've surrounded us. Well, uh, we've done dumber things before, so I say we at least try it. Abigail says, I think that's our best bet. Absolutely, but I need to go check to see if Diodi's okay. And she runs out of the room. I'll go with Abigail. Lydia, please, 
Gather up our sisters. They are not safe here. I will. I will, brother. I... Okay. And there is more banging on the door as everybody runs out of Lydia's room. And you can hear, just down the stairs, you can't make out exactly what is being said, but you can hear an old man talking through the door to the guards, trying to reason with them. But Abigail runs down the hallway to the room that we had seen Diodi go into to sleep the night before, and she opens the door, and lying there, dead asleep, is Diodi. <laughs> A small, shorter-than-average, half-elf, half-fairy, who is tucked into his covers, eyes shut tightly, and mouth agape with drool coming out of it. I'm curious, Christian, does his like skin still slightly glow, even when he's sleeping? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So he's like his own nightlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. That'll be helpful in dark situations. We never thought about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, that's canon now. And Abigail bursts into the room and runs up to Diodi and starts shaking him. Wake up, wake up, you stupid little half-elf. And Lewid is catching up. He's catching up and he just comes into the room and he overhears this and he says... Abigail, for the love of prosperity, keep your voice down, and also, please, you you can't just call people stupid. (laughs) And as you're saying that, she's still shaking him, and Diodi is waking up so abruptly, and he sees both of you, and he lets out a little scream. (laughs) I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to cover his mouth, just like immediately, I'm going to try to like, just, I'm going to like, lunge at him to cover his mouth. Okay, um, I guess, yeah, just a dexterity roll again? Complete success. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's about to release that scream, and I don't know if it's panic or if it's just his instincts kicking in, but Lewid just lunges, just wraps a hand around his mouth so he can make no noise, and Lewid puts his other hand to his lips in a little shh motion. Diodi puts his hand up to yours and starts to pull it off. He just asks, what's going on? Diodi, don't panic, but... The royal family is here. Corliss? I I don't think so. They didn't say their name, but the voice was not familiar. If it's not Corliss, I don't I don't know who it could be. Is is Thebia still here? We need to find her, and we need to get out of here now. Abigail agrees with Lewid and says, Yes. So get up, get dressed, and let's go. And Diodi hops out of bed quickly. And he is not wearing his robe currently. He is just in in his underwear. And he starts putting everything on. Yeah, I have a feeling that Lewid being the type of person that he is, kind of about preparedness, they didn't go to Lydia's room until Abigail and he were dressed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Lydia goes down the hallway to the room where Lewid and all of her little sisters are sleeping. And she opens the door, and I think at least half of these girls are already awake and they're making noise and Lulu, one of Lewid's middle sisters, she's wearing a nightgown at the moment and it's way nicer than somebody of her standing should be able to have. It's questionable whether or not she stole it, but she is currently trying to calm all the other little girls and she's saying, all right, everyone, let's try to stay calm. Take a deep breath. And none of them are following those instructions. Right. (laughs) And Lydia comes in. All right, everybody, you need to follow me. Don't worry about your things or what you're wearing. Just just come on. Let's go. Do they listen? 
I think it is very likely because I, your sisters see Lydia as an authoritative sister. Yeah. Um, they respect her. Yes, they do listen. All right. And they fall in line. Some of them, I think even like one of them was crying over by the window. And she's like, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, <laughs> this is a lot of cacophony of noise in this little girl's room. And Lydia says, okay, now we are going to have to go downstairs and go into the kitchen in the quietest way possible. So all of you need to step where I step and move the way I move. Do you understand? And all of the little girls slowly nod their head. Yes. As Lydia is exiting the little girl's room with all of them following behind her, she also sees down the hallway in the opposite direction of the stairs, Abigail, Lewid, and Diodi exiting Diodi's room and heading across the hall to Thebia's room. Lewid knocks on Lady Thebia's room. He doesn't want to be improper to a member of the royal family. He whispers through the door, Lady Thebia, are you awake? Are you in there? Yes, one moment. And she comes to the door. I'm curious. I'm actually going to have Diodi make a discern realities move really quickly because I feel like Thebia is someone to be prepared. And I'm curious. I, there's one question I want to ask specifically um, that Diodi is trying to figure out here. Oh, yes. Okay, I get three questions if I want, but there's really only one that I want to ask right now. Is there anything useful or valuable here? And I'm I'm directing that question kind of towards if Thebia has already been preparing since the very first knock. I'm going to give it high odds because of your logic there. And the answer is an exceptional yes. So okay. she's fully ready. Yeah, so I think she has something that's going to help us, like whether that's a thought or an item or something that's going to like assist us in getting out of here. What could that be? I don't know. Do you want to roll from an action or subject or do you think there's another well do you have any logic for something that that could be because i'm a little bit at a loss for what she could have prepared maybe during the night she like moved the horses around back or something just in case maybe she prepared ahead of time in that way i think that's a logical thing i think she was ready just in case they needed to flee lady thebia opens the door and you see this elven woman middle-aged slightly taller than diodi walk up to all three of you I've already prepared the horses in the back. Last night, I was concerned that something like this might happen. And, well, I'm glad I prepared. That is such a relief to hear. All right, now, we need to move. Yes, let's go. And she shuffles out and starts heading down the hallway quicker than any of you three. Lydia starts to make her way down the stairs first, ahead of this train of little girls. And she peers over the banister, and she sees that the staff of the Eye of the Anvil are all starting to barricade the front door, and we are hearing boom, boom, as the guards in the night are starting to try to break down the door of the tavern. Once again, a voice echoes from outside. Little Shadow, you're starting to piss me off. If you don't let us in, we're going to make it hurt when we do come in. Lydia gives just a deep, audible gulp, and she waves for her sisters to follow her without saying a word. And yeah, they all shuffle behind you, Lydia. Yeah, Lydia makes her way behind the counter, and she sees the staff, the people that she has been working with, her friends. They're doing their best to barricade this door, and she knows, she knows that this is implicating them in a crime. You see Aiden, Griselda, Lark, Numpits, even little Laurie the tortoise, 
all stare at you and the girls as you pass on by. And Numpits is just waving at you to go into the kitchen, go out the back entrance. And down the stairs, just shortly after you start making your way across the main room of the tavern, you do hear Lewid, Abigail, Diodi, and Thebia catching up to you. Lydia sees this and she nods gratefully, but she can't help but feel terrible about the situation she has put these people in. She opens the kitchen door with her arm, takes a peek inside because she saw that there is one member of the Eye of the Anvil staff that is not accounted for, Nerissa, her very close friend. And she's going to peek into the kitchen and see if Nerissa is there. And is she? 50-50? Yeah, 50-50. She's, she's a wild card. She is. Oh, she. so she is there. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Lydia peers into the kitchen. It's dark in there. But she sees a familiar shape moving about in the darkness. It's Nerissa, her friend and criminal friend, you might say. <laughs> she is covered pretty much from head to toe in tattoos. She's a lean, muscular elf, much like Lydia is. The kind of person who's lived on the streets and seen a lot. She is currently pushing aside some cabinets, and she's revealing two go-bags escape bags that have already been packed up with Lydia's belongings and Nerissa's belongings. They were ready to run if they needed to. Nerissa sees Lydia and she says, oh, hey, Lydia, I'm glad to see you woke up. I was a little worried about it, but I got your bag. You ready to go? And I don't think Nerissa knows what's been going on with Lydia's sisters and brother. She looks at Nerissa with a little bit of a rueful face, and then she waves for all of her little sisters to come into the kitchen. And Nerissa just goes, whoa, there's like so many of you. (laughs) Well, a lot happened last night and I I don't I don't have time to explain it right now, but we've got to get my sisters and my brother and his girlfriend and his friend and a member of the royal family out of here. Right after you finish saying that, just another massive slam at the front door that sounds like there are cracks forming in this wooden door. And now I Nerissa, this is going to be. A wild question for somebody. No offense, you're kind of irresponsible. (laughs) Nerissa acceptingly nods. But uh, do you know, like, a safe house or anywhere where my sisters could stay? Yeah, Nerissa starts racking her brain. Does she? Uh, Odds. I mean, Nerissa, once again, part of the criminal world. I'm sure she knows of somewhere around town, so I'm going to give that a very likely... She does. Nice. Okay, perfect. She does. This is good because there's no way we could take all these girls with us. No, and how else would they be getting home? So Nerissa racks her brain. Thinking looks a little bit painful for her. She says, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do know a place. I Do you know uh, that guy? Uh, what? I can't, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's hot. He's got like three names. It's like Seb- Sebastian... No. Is that it? Oh no. And Lydia oh, says, I, "I I I don't know him." Well, it, it's not important, but anyway, he's got like a bunch of secret basements in town where he keeps stuff, and I don't know, we could check with him. And Lydia looks at her little sisters and gosh, she does not like the idea of putting them in the hands of another person, but she walks over to Nerissa and she says quietly, "Look, Nerissa, I I'm not somebody to, like, keep score or anything like that, but you've been a really good friend to me, and that's why I, you know, I I put my life on the line for you. 
I, I, I would ask you to please, please take care of my sisters. Can you do that? And Nerissa, opening up her arms and swinging them around you like a bear hug, she just responds. Oh, little shadow, you know I'll do anything for you. You've been my best friend in the world. Lydia returns the hug, and then she asks, Nerissa, are they out back already, or is there, is there a way out? Can, can you get away with them now? Yeah, do we ask, are the, are the guards out back already? Yeah, let's ask. <sighs> are the guards already surrounding the tavern? Maybe somewhat likely? Somewhat likely makes sense. It's a big bone. Like, the rib bone is huge. The answer is yes. Nerissa starts to open her mouth, but doesn't say anything as she looks towards the back door, points her finger towards the back door, and looks back and forth between you and the back door, not sure how to tell you that there are guards outside. Yeah, uh, Lydia, I don't know like exactly how to say this, but uh, yeah, there's like a lot of them, like a shitload. And Lydia just sighs. And then she says, well, okay, I, I guess I'll have to make a distraction. Lewid, Abigail, Diodi, Thebia are all still in the main room of the tavern. Diodi, hearing these guards and these knights trying to break down the front door, seeing the cracks forming in the wood, he thinks about what he can do to help. And he says, I have an idea, everybody. I might need your help. Yes, uh, Diodi, what... What did you have in mind? Diodi grabs your shoulder, Lewid, and Abigail's shoulder pulls you guys in close. And he says, whatever happened at the sorceress, obviously I'm kind of stuck like this. And I think it's affecting how I'm thinking because last night I had a bunch of dreams where I was just pulling pranks on people and doing really honestly kind of funny things. I don't know. There's this, there's this energy in me that makes me want to kind of play a trick on these guards. And I think I know the perfect way. Uh, Diodi, is now really the time for pranks? I I think it could greatly benefit us. Let me, let me just tell you what I want to do. Okay. I think if you both stand near me and help me concentrate, I think there's a way that I can make it look like we're running back upstairs when we're actually not. It's worth a try, I suppose. All right, so let me roll for Blood and Tradition as he now has this new way of honoring his ancestral heritage. He gained this new form of honoring his ancestors the last time he leveled up. So not only can he honor them by through sacrifice, but he can enforce their code of honor, which, mm -hmm. as we found out, the fairy is very mischievous, likes to deceive people, and yeah. there's little that we know about the fairies in our world so far, but I think enforcing the code of honor kind of implies that he wants to be mischievous and yeah. enforce that through trickery and deception. It's more of like a code of dishonor. Diodi, feeling that energy from last night's dreams and feeling this urge to play tricks and to be very deceptive, I am going to roll Blood and Tradition to see how much hold he gets from this. Uh, so he only gets one hold. Um, okay. <laughs> that's enough to do one. And that's all he needs in this moment. Diodi, 
pulls this blowgun from his pocket. It has interesting carvings all over it. Carvings of what looks like an ancient, strange creature holding a child in its arms. And he puts this blowgun up to his mouth. And he grabs Abigail with his other hand and pushes himself against Lude. And he blows through the blowgun while imagining duplicates of all three of them standing there in the middle of the tavern room. And he opens his eyes and he sees what looks like almost exact mirror replicas of Abigail, Lewitt, and himself standing in front of them. He feels this tingling rushing through his body, and he just speaks up as he puts the blowgun back in his pocket. Okay, it's working. Now all we need to do is make our way to the kitchen. We need to get to that back entrance. And Lewitt's looking at the spell, and I imagine this is like flabbergasted some of the staff of the Eye of the Anvil, but Lark, the little halfling, like sees this happening, and he's adept in illusions. And he just breaks away from the door for a second and looks at the illusions, and he says, Whoa, this is pretty good. Uh, Lewid looks at the little halfling a little quizzically, and then he waves his hand for everybody to follow him to the kitchen. Abigail, Diodi, and Thebia all follow. And I think the moment we get in there, we hear the doors crash open. And Diodi turning just as he's about to pass through that doorway into the kitchen, he uses his thoughts and concentrates really hard and sends those replicas of Abigail, Lou, and Diodi running up the stairs. And we hear the commanding voice that was pounding at the door. There they are. I see them. They went up the stairs. I think we come into the kitchen. We've just made it in. And the first thing we hear is Nerissa say, Hey, is that your brother? He's hot. And Abigail steps forward and she says, yeah, he is. Thank prosperity, he's mine. And Nerissa, this tattooed elf, just looks at Abigail and goes, dang, you're hot too. (laughs) And Abigail, a little bit flabbergasted, just says, well, thank you. Nerissa turns to Lydia, who's currently crouched by the back door, and she says, Lydia, like your whole family's like really... And Lydia holds up a finger to get her to stop speaking. (laughs) And she says, not now. So Lydia is going to try to peek out of the door to try and see how many guards are back here. I think there are a couple things that if you're you're choosing to peek your head out the door, there's obviously a dangerous situation, but you could defy danger, what, intelligence almost? Or do you think this is a dexterity thing as well? Because I think it would, it's more about her, uh, her ability to do this deftly. So I think it would be... Okay, then let's go with dexterity then. In response to that, I've got a move that Lydia has that I can introduce now. This move is called Like a Ghost. Whenever I try to do another move in a clandestine manner, I get to choose options from this list from Like a Ghost equal to my dex modifier, my dexterity modifier, or less. But I have to always pick one. And then I get to tell the other players what they are, and then I roll, will determine whether or not what I say is true or not based on the roll. Nice. Okay, cool. So I'm going to try to peek my head out without being seen. So I'm going to roll the Defy Danger decks. She's got a three modifier, so that's a ten. Oh, wow. Okay, awesome. So she's going to do that. But I'm going to add to this that I'm going to draw attention elsewhere instead of me. And I'm going to try to roll like a ghost to see if I can distract them. Oh, sweet. So that is a nine. So I'm going to add this. How do I do this, this peeking out of the door to draw attention elsewhere instead of me, is one of my statements I'm making. 
The other one is that I remain silent. And the third one, because I have three options I get to pick because of my dex modifier instead of all four, how I stay out of sight. So on a seven to nine, because I got a nine, you get to decide that one of these statements is false. Uh, staying silent, that's going to be false. Lydia cracks the door and she is just peeking through this crack. And how many guards can she see? Ooh, what should we roll for that? Man, I need to ask this question. Are there just two of them? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm going to put that at very unlikely. But <laughs> this is the way I'm going to ask the question. Are there just two of them? Very unlikely. Yeah, very unlikely. It is a yes. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> okay, so we know who they are. Yeah, we know who these guards are. And Lydia is peeking through this door and she sees two guards. Uh, one of them is an elf that has a broken nose that has a bandage over it. Uh, they appear to be in the middle of a very hushed conversation. Gerald, how do we know when we're supposed to go in? I can't hear them at all from over here on this side of the bone. Josiah, just just wait until they give us some kind of order, okay? There was no talk of an order. I'll I, I wait for your call, Gerald. Yeah, just, just, just do that, okay? Lydia, uh, Lydia looks a little quizzically at that. Uh, she thinks that's weird, but <laughs> she takes it as an opportunity because they're making some noise. I think she holds out her hand towards Nerissa, gesturing with a finger for her to give her something, an object of some kind from the kitchen. Do you have something in mind, Artie? What are you doing? We're going to go to Maze Rats. Okay. <laughs> We're going to check miscellaneous items. Miscellaneous items. I'll, do you want me to roll the first one? You roll the second? Yeah. Okay. I got a four. I got a two. It's a numbered key. Maybe it's like one of the room keys? Nerissa, she is scrambling in this kitchen right now. And Lydia, you feel something land in the palm of your hand. And I look at it, and it's a it's a key with a little number engraved on it. It's one of the keys for the rooms. Lydia looks at it, and then she goes, huh. And then she throws it as hard as she can out the door. <laughs> Behind the tavern, there's probably the wall of the city, right? This is probably nearish to the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's going to throw this key as hard as she can at some crates and the wall and try to make just a noise to distract these guards. Lydia, that key goes flying and it initially hits that outer city wall and makes a loud tinking noise. And as it falls to the ground, it hits a couple crates and some broken glass that was already in this alleyway. And it's just this loud noise. It almost sounds as if someone had jumped out of one of the room windows from down the tavern. So immediately after you do that, you see through the crack. These two guards are yelling at each other and pushing each other to go down this alleyway towards where they heard that noise. They start doing that. And then Lydia says, okay, I think we're in the clear. Now, Nerissa, oh boy, you're taking my sister's. The moment she says that out loud, Lewis just holds a finger in the air and he goes, now, wait a second. <laughs> Abigail says, we don't have time for now, wait a seconds. Your sisters have to go somewhere and we cannot take them with us. You're going to have to trust this. And Lewis just looks at this tattooed elf who the first thing this elf said to him when he walked in the room was, wow, you're hot. He <laughs> just releases an exhale and says, Lulu. You're in charge. Don't be ordered around by this strange person, okay? 
and Lulu gives a little salute, and she says, Okay, brother. Coming from the main part of the tavern, you hear feet stomping down the stairs once again. Voices shouting in anger and frustration. Okay, uh, Lydia says to Nerissa, Okay, you gotta go now. You gotta get out of here. Just, they're not looking for you, and they're not looking for the little girls. Get out of here. Go. And Nerissa nods, and the last thing she says is she's, like, opening the door. Hey, uh, I'm gonna miss you. Lydia nods. I'll miss you, too. As Nerissa starts making her way out this back door with the little girls, a couple of guards and this large knight burst into the kitchen. Did the little girls get out in time? Because Lydia was pushing them to just go, go, go. I'm going to give this a likely. Yes, just barely, but yeah. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. The back door shuts as the main door flings open. What? Uh, can you describe what this big knight looks like? Yeah, I, I assume this is a new character because we only know one other knight, and that's Lady Marigold. Yeah. They are also female. This city is just like the perfect embodiment of what like strong females look like. So they're very good looking. In spite of having battle scars visible on her face. After these guards burst into the kitchen. They all draw weapons because they see us. We're out in the open. They wait, their weapons poised and ready, as another figure walks into the room. Tall, beautiful, but has a severe scar from her hairline down over her right eye to the top of her cheekbone. She's wearing a suit of armor, very nice, with a blue cape, and under one arm, She has her helmet, and her other hand is currently on the hilt of her sword, ready to draw. Abigail, pulling out her concertina, starting to play a couple notes, says, We're just the band. We just played last night, and we're just trying to leave. We don't know who you're looking for. This knight doesn't bat an eyelash at this horrible (laughs) attempt that (laughs) Abigail is trying to do. Instead, wordlessly holds up a wanted poster with our faces on them. And Abigail, once the poster's held up, just says, okay, so you know. (laughs) (laughs) This knight lowers the poster, and I have a big question to ask. We have been arrested. We broke out of Swords Keep. We're wanted for kidnapping a member of the royal family. What kind of force are they authorized to use in apprehending us? Probably literally anything necessary. Yeah. She lowers the poster, and then her eyes fall on Diodi, and she snaps to attention a little bit. Master Kismeta, I am happy to see you are unharmed. Me too, and I would like it to stay that way. Of course. Now please, come with us. And Diodi looks to everybody around him, especially Thebia. Thebia gives a small nod, and Diodi looks back to this knight and says... I don't think I will. This knight narrows their gaze at you, Diodi, and says, Master Kismeta, they are outnumbered. You need not fear them. I'm not afraid of them. I'm afraid of you. Master Kismeta, if you will not comply, I am authorized to rescue you by any means necessary. Does Diodi recognize this knight? 50-50. Yeah, I will. Uh, yes, 
he does recognize this knight. And, sorry, did you already say her name? Nope. Lady Elsbeth. Excuse me, Lady Elsbeth, but these are not my captors. Corliss was my captor. I'm sorry, but I'm leaving. Do these words sway her at all? There's no chance. Yeah, no I'm, way. I'm going to give that a no way or an impossible. Which one do you think it is? I'm going to just say no way. No. Lady Elspeth draws her sword, and she says, I am sorry, but I cannot take your words at face value, not while you are under the influence of Lady Thebia and these scoundrels. Well, then, I'm sorry, but I don't control these people, and you're going to have to deal with whatever's coming your way, too. At that, Abigail picks up her playing on her concertina and is going to attempt to cast a sleeping spell. Nice. Please, I'm begging you. Oh, thank goodness. I got a semi-success, barely. <laughs> what happens on a semi-success? Either I can't cast the spell again until the next dawn or dusk, or um, I lose control of the spell's effects. So, of hmm. course, I'm going to choose that I can't cast the spell again until the next dawn or dusk. Good choice. Yeah. Now I roll 1d4 for how many of these people fall asleep. Uh, two of them. Two of them. How many people are in this room? Well, I can't imagine the kitchen's very big, and we're already, we already have a lot of people in here that aren't guards or night. Do you think two accompany her in here and those two fall asleep? I think that would make sense. Describe how this happens. Abigail taking the initiative after she hears what Duty says to start playing a beautiful, sweet lullaby of sorts. The music penetrating the ears of everyone in the room, but she has this control over where this music hits, where it goes. And the two guards standing at either side of this tall, beautiful knight fall to the ground asleep almost instantly. As she is trying to figure out what happened there, Lewid steps in front of the party and he draws his rapier and he points it at Lady Elspeth. And he says, Lady Elspeth, regardless of your intentions here, I cannot allow you to harm anyone in this room. So if you will not put your sword away, I will be forced to fight you. And I assure you, you will not win. And I'm getting exterminatus. I've told her I'm going to defeat her. As a reminder, when I say that I am speaking aloud my determination to defeat somebody, I get plus 2d4 damage against that enemy and minus four damage against anyone else until I have defeated them. I'm not declaring a duel in case somebody wants to help. This knight, Lady Elsbeth, she does not retract her sword. She does not even give a smile to what you said. She is stern and she is serious, and she holds her sword up even more. She's ready to engage. Lewid drops into a fighting stance and he says, I see you have chosen defeat. And then he charges and he is going to hop into the air and attempt to just drive his rapier directly into her shoulder with a lunging strike. Okay, hack and slash, baby. 2d6 plus strength. Not for me, it's plus dex. Oh, that's right, because of your class. Mm-hmm. 2d6 plus dex. Yeah, so this is a complete success. Uh, roll for damage. So I rolled a four. And then I get to roll 2d4. So it's probably not going to hurt very much regardless. You never know. 
not bad. How much health does she have total? 12. With four armor. So I do two damage. So Lewitt approaches and he hops into a lunge and he's attempting to hit her in the arm so that she'll drop her sword or become disarmed or something. And Lewitt, you did not recognize this when you first saw her. The functionality of her armor is a lot more apparent as you are going in for this lunge. Even though you thought you were being quick and dexterous, as she takes her right foot and puts it behind herself to brace for your impact, as she pivots her left arm in front where your sword is coming in. And you can see that there's this big shield-like plating on her arm, but your hit is still enough to push her back. And you can see that she winces slightly at the amount of pressure your sword laid into her shoulder. Ugh, not bad. But you were trained by Lady Marigold, yes. You and I have the same training, and you are going to have to try a lot harder to defeat a knight of Austeel. Lewid now knows that he has to do something she's not prepared for. So I'm going to roll for seeing red, and I'm going to discern realities during combat with a plus one. Oh wow, okay. Okay, that is, that is a semi-success, so I get one question, and I know what that question is. What is useful or valuable to me here? And I want to ask this question. How close is she to, like, any standing shelves with pots and pans on them and stuff? <laughs> well, as we described, this kitchen's already kind of small. Uh, and I could only imagine that, I mean, I want to say a nearshore thing. Yes, yes, there are. Okay, awesome. He hears this, and he's going to start to try to strafe. Lady Elspeth. So he's positioning himself so that he is directly in front of one of these shelves covered in pots and pans and various tools and stuff. He's going to motion his blade towards himself. Well, if you are so skilled, take your best shot. She quickly, deftly goes in for a swipe with her sword at your gut. I'm going to try to evade it, so I'm going to try to step out of the way. Defy danger dexterity. That is only a semi-success. As you quickly step out of the way, I mean, yeah, you're you're quick on your feet, and you successfully dodge that attack as her swipe misses completely. But this room being as claustrophobic as it is in this moment, you find yourself tripping over a small crate of food on the ground, and you tumble into more crates that are next to the furnace off to the side. And now you're lying there on the ground on top of a bunch of smashed food. Yeah, I think Lady Elspeth turns towards me, and she scoffs. She is not impressed, but I'm going to try to grab one of these squashed foods and throw it right into her face. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, that's a volley, which will be 2d6 plus dex again. That's complete success. Awesome. I reach behind me, and I grab the first thing that I can get my hands on. It's bigger than I expected it to be. It's very round. And I don't look at it before I grab it, lift it over my head, and just throw it at her face. And as it's moving, I see it. It's a watermelon. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I don't think it's going to do any damage. I just want to blind her for a second. She's not expecting it. A watermelon hurls towards her face, and it just cracks open. And this liquid goes everywhere all over her head. And that makes her take a couple steps back. And I'm going to try to spill this shelf of stuff onto her. 
I mean, it's probably strength, right? I think so. Defy danger strength. Yeah. It's a semi-success. So it happens. So while I'm on the ground and Lady Elspeth is struggling with this watermelon that has now covered her face, and she's just like, what? Lewid just heaves with all of his might on this shelf that is directly to the right of them. He just pulls down the shelf and all of the clattering pots and pans and the wooden shelf falls down on both of them. Probably roll for 1d4 damage. Jeez, oh, that is four. Oh, you take four damage? Dang. I take three because of my armor, but still. Man, that's some heavy stuff on that shelf. But yeah, I mean, it clatters down on top of us. Oh, it doesn't feel good. The individual pots, the individual pans smacking you in the body and the head. And we're both stuck under this, I imagine now. With all this stuff on top of both of you, Abigail rushes over and she helps you out from the rubble. And as she's helping you get out, she turns towards Lady Elsbeth. And Lady Elsbeth finishes wiping off the watermelon or whatever's left of it and the pots and pans and all this other stuff that fell on her. Abigail makes eye contact with Lady Elsbeth and attempts to use Hypnotist. Hypnotist, when you make eye contact with someone and exact your will over them, roll plus int. Oh yes, dude. Full success. So on a hit, they're paralyzed and cannot move. So she does. She wipes away this watermelon and she shoves part of the shelving off of her. It's kind of, it's broken apart when it hit the ground and she just shoves the debris off of her, pushes aside clattering pans and pots. As she stares forward, she sees Abigail's eyes. And Abigail, staring deep into Lady Elsbeth's eyes, piercing her soul. Everything stops between the two of them. And Abigail, as she's looking at Lady Elsbeth, Elsbeth feels like she cannot move. She cannot move her arms, her legs. She cannot even move her eyes to look away. And as this is happening, Abigail is commanding everyone else to leave. Go out the back door. Lady Thebia turns to leave. Lydia is ready to usher everybody out, but Lewid instead walks over to Lady Elspeth and places his sword to her neck. And he says, No, Abigail, I can't leave you here. You don't need to. We're going together right now. Find something to lock the door. Lewid nods, keeping an eye on Lady Elspeth. He's, he hasn't really seen the extent of... Abigail's magic that she is just developing. So he steps away and he finds something to try to barricade the back door. I imagine there's like a chair that he can like put under a handle or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, we're ready. And Abigail starts backing up slowly, keeping eye contact as she's placing her hands behind her to feel her way towards the door. And she scoots her way out. And Lewid, are you behind Abigail? Did you exit first? No, I don't think Lewid would do that. <laughs> okay. Abigail says, All right, Lewid, when I tell you to, run out with me and put that chair behind the door and let's go. On your word. Three, two, one. And Abigail books it out of the door. And for Lewid, I think this is going to be an int roll. Defy danger intelligence. Or do you think it's dex because he's prepared? I, I think it's dexterity because you're really, in this moment, you're using your hands more than anything else. Then that's a full success. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, Lewid almost simultaneously slips out the door and just puts this chair underneath the doorknob, hoping that it will at least slow them down. The door, now locked by the chair, 
everybody out in this alleyway, Thebia ushers for everyone to follow her towards the horses. We are running to these horses, and we arrive at one of the horses who has a name, Sky Chaser, and the rest of them, but we only have three horses. Did Lady Soline bring a carriage with her when they were approaching with all of these guards and knights? Has to be. Has to be. She sure did. Oh, heck yeah, dude. As we are approaching the horses, we hear a crack and then a shatter. And Lewid turning around sees that Lady Elspeth has just shouldered her way through this back door and is now standing, heaving in the alleyway. And Abigail just shouts out, Get on the horses, we need to go. Abigail gets on her large black war horse. Lewid hops on his pretty brown horse, Sky Chaser. And then the last horse, the white one, is Lady Thebia's. She gets on and she offers a hand to Diodi. And Diodi takes it graciously and hops up behind Thebia. Abigail looks to Lydia and says, Do you want to get on the back of mine? We need to go. Lydia looks a little panicked, but she just reaches out for Abigail's hand to mount her horse. Abigail pulls her up. As everybody has gotten on these horses, from behind us, we can hear Lady Elspeth coming after them, and Abigail kicks her heels into this warhorse and has it start moving forward, but almost instantly, on the other end of the alleyway, we see a tall elf in a dark robe with several guards by her side walk out and step in front of the horses. And Lydia, you see her face. You get chills when you see her. She has darker skin than most of the royal family, and hanging over her shoulders is her curly, chestnut brown hair with light hints of red that you could pick out of a crowd on the head of Lady Soline. And she shouts out, No, 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 little shadow. This is where it stops. This is where it ends. You haven't finished paying off your debt. Lewid looks over to his sister. He doesn't say anything. His eyes are just indicating ever so softly. What is she talking about? Lydia looks at her brother for only a moment before breaking eye contact. And she looks at Lady Celine. And she says, Lady Celine, whatever whatever this is, it's between us. You, you can let them go. Let them go? <laughs> no. No. Why would I do that? This is exactly what I need. Listen, I'll make a deal with you, little shadow. You hand over these traitors to Ostiel, and I won't make you go back to Swordskeep. How about that? Do we have a deal? Lydia doesn't know what to say. Her mouth is just almost flailing, as if she's trying to speak, but words aren't coming out. And Lewid looks at his sister, and then back at Lady Celine, and he dismounts his horse. Has Lady Elspeth caught up yet? I'm sure she has. Lewid walks over to Abigail's horse, and he pats it gently on the side, and he whispers to Abigail, you remember how we got out of Swords Keep with this this very special horse? It's kind of hard to forget, seeing as it happened just yesterday. Alright. Wait for my signal, and then charge. She gives a nod. Lewid runs his hands through his hair, takes a deep breath, and then he says, Your name is Lady Soline, correct? Well, 
it's nice that I'm finally getting the attention that I deserve. Yes, I'm Lady Soline. I don't know exactly what it is that you're suggesting, but it's my impression that you are claiming that my sister is indebted to you. <laughs> I'm not claiming anything. It's a fact. Your sister, this repugnant, dirty shadow of a person, has done a lot of terrible things, and she is still making up for those terrible things. Then allow me to repay her debt. Lewid once again draws his sword, and he points it at all of them, and he says, My name is Lewid Durell, defender of the Screaming Spear. Knight of the Ring of the Hand. I am the most wanted criminal in this entire city. I have foiled every attempt that you have made to capture me, defeated a number of your guards and so-called knights. So, Lady Selene, what are you waiting for? Come and get me. And I'm gonna roll, what are you waiting for? That's a 12. So all enemies here will treat me as the most obvious threat to be dealt with and ignore all of my companions. You see Soline look at you, shrug, and say, Okay. And she snaps her fingers on both hands and points for all the guards and Lady Elsbeth to charge at you. And I look at Abigail and I wink. And Abigail kicks her heels into the horse once more and she charges with Lydia on the back of her horse. And uh, do you think I should roll for this? Or I think Abigail was going to try and barrel over them. <laughs> I think you should roll plus wisdom because what you are going to do, you need the mental fortitude to drive a horse into a bunch of people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the laugh of pain. Uh, snake eyes. Snake eyes. Okay, what I'm going to say then is that you do not hit anybody. Okay. In addition to that, you are going to put somebody else in a spot, which I assume is Lewid. That's unfortunate. Abigail, you charge, attempting to barrel over some of these guards. Maybe it's a miscalculation of the movement, but as you approach, they have already charged with such speed towards Lewid that they easily sidestep your charge, and you just whiff right past them, but the alley is open to you. You can escape. She looks back at Lewid, and she realizes that that was not how she was planning on going about that. You just hear Lydia, holding onto your waist behind you, just go, ah, shit, shit, shit. Abigail, Abigail, listen to me. And Abigail turns her ears while still focusing forward with the horse. Lady Celine's carriage is at the front. I saw it out the window. You take Lady Thebia and Diodi and and get it. We'll meet you. Are, are you jumping off right now? And as you ask that, she does. And Abigail, reaching out her hand but not quick enough, just snaps her finger and she says, Shit, okay? Um, this carriage, I'll figure it out. She looks back to see Thebia and Diodi following on their horse as well. Lydia watches as you make your way down the alley and then she moves against the wall of the ribbone and she crouches slightly, approaching. 
Is Lady Celine not moving? She's not a combatant, right? Correct. She doesn't have to hide herself. Everybody's treating Lewitt as the most obvious threat. So she crouches, moving slowly. And then I am going to attempt to grab Lady Celine with a hold from behind my arm around her neck. Um, I think define, de defy danger decks is all I have to do. That is a semi-success. Lydia creeps up behind Lady Celine, and the idea of doing what she is about to do terrifies her. But she lunges. She wraps her arm around Lady Celine's neck so that her neck is placed into the crook of her elbow and pulls back, yanking Lady Celine against her body. Lady Celine lets out actually a pretty low shout and starts yelling at Lydia. No, no, you don't. And she starts wrapping her hands back, trying to claw at Lydia. And a couple of the guards that have fallen to the rear of charging at Lewid stop and turn and see Lady Soline in danger. And they start running back. And Lydia puts her open arm out, pointing at the guards. And she says, no, no, no. If you approach, I will break her neck. And the guards are looking to Lady Soline to figure out what they should do. Unfortunately, she's just trying to claw at you right now, Lydia. Like, you have full control of the situation. Lydia points to Lewid, and she says, Lewid, let's go. Come on. Lewid is going to eye Lady Elspeth in particular. He's going to try to take a couple steps towards Lydia. She shouts out for you to stop moving, and you hear her scrape her sword on the ground to get your attention and to look back to her. Would you really allow your lady to be harmed by by this elf and lady elsbeth just holds up her sword at you Lewid durell everything they say about you is true isn't it you are willing to do whatever it takes to get what you want well not today and she thrusts at you with her sword i'm gonna parry it and punch her with the bell of the sword nice okay that's a semi-success so she is gonna hit me Okay, yeah. So, I have to roll for my damage. Would you roll for hers? I'll say, you got lucky with this one. How much did you roll? Three. Alright, so I'm gonna take two. So, Lewid watches as this enraged knight swipes at him. Lewid remembers from his knight training that you do not let your emotions overcome you. And it makes her easy to predict. And he pushes with his sword outwards. It's not quite quick enough, because her strength and her weapon is heavier than his. So he pushes it, but it slides against his side, creating a red gash across his ribs. But once he beats that sword away, he comes back and with a backhand punches Lady Elspeth as hard as he can across her cheek, dealing 12 damage. No way, dude. Minus four. Oh my gosh. Dude, she, wow, as you slam into her face. I mean, Lewid, maybe you are aware of your strength, maybe you're not, but you send her tumbling into the alleyway wall, feet away, and her head knocks into that wall, and you see her slide to the ground. Yeah, and she's conscious, but only barely. We see the force of the blow has sent her head ringing. And she's looking at Lewid in a little bit of amazement that he so easily parried her blow. This elf that was denied access into the knighthood so easily parried her. 
and then delivered such a powerful blow. But Luid looks at her for only a moment before turning back to the other guards with Selene, and he sees them, their blades drawn. But I imagine they're hesitant now. He did just dispatch a knight of Austeel after all. And he lowers himself into a fighting position, and he is ready to fight all of them if he has to. Okay, but I'm wondering, have Abigail, Diodi, and Thebia been able to get to the carriage by now? Boy, I sure hope so. So, uh, I think they have. I think they had time, and I think they're there. So, let's move away from Lydia and Lewid in the alley and see what Abigail, Diodi, and Lady Thebia are doing. With the information that Abigail received, that there's a carriage out front, she, of course, headed straight there. I mean, she's she's trying to get everybody out of there. Was there anyone that stayed back? I I would assume that every single guard with went with Soline. There would there would have been no reason for anyone to stay back. Yeah, I imagine if if there's anybody here, there's only one. So let's ask: Is the carriage unguarded? Why would they be worried about that? True, truly, this is I'm going to say has to be. Yes. Abigail sees this elegant, fancy carriage in front of the tavern, with a couple of horses already attached to it, and it is beautifully white and blue with a couple of gold trimmings and the bench on the front is has this nice dark stained quality to it and she jumps off and starts unhooking those horses from the carriage as quickly as possible so that she can hook Thebia's and her own horse into it instead and she tells Lady Thebia Diodi to hop in as quickly as possible and she gets on the bench and starts whipping the horses to go with the reins. Lewitt is in on guard, waiting to fight anybody who approaches him. But they're torn. Do they go after Lydia? Do they go after him? And Lewitt is still standing, close to his horse, Sky Chaser. The first thing you hear is this growling and grumbling from Lady Soline. She's still, there's some sort of obsession with her trying to get to Lydia. And you don't know exactly why this is, Lewitt, but then, then you hear a rumbling coming from down the alleyway. You see two horses with a big carriage screech to a halt, and you see Abigail yelling at you to get on your horse and for Lydia to get in the carriage. Lewid sees that, and he hears the yell, and then he audibly says, Oh, thank prosperity. I could not have beat all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hops on Sky Chaser, and he pushes into Sky Chaser's side to urge the horse to run as fast as it can down the alley past the guards. Lydia is still holding on to Celine. There's a tremble in her arm, and she's thinking to herself, she could just snap this woman's neck right now. She would be able to do that. But there's something preventing her from doing so. Some kind of control, some kind of... She doesn't know if it's Celine or if it's her, but she can't do it. All she can do right now is hold on. And as Lewid moves past these guards on this, his horse, they're, they're not going to attack a horse. I don't know if you've ever seen the way horses work. This, they move out of the way when a horse charges. <laughs> and he gets to Lydia and he says, Come on. And Lydia swallows. And she says, quietly, not forcefully, just leave me alone. And she pushes Lady Soline and gets on the back of Lewis' horse. Really quickly. I want Lydia to do a defy danger dexterity. 
Oh no, don't, don't make that noise. It's a six. Oh gosh, dude. Almost the lowest she could roll. She's got a dex modifier of three. Do you think Lewid would be assisting in this moment though? I think he would. He's reaching out to her. So I'm going to roll an aid roll. Okay. This is, I think, our first time using aid. The way aid works in Dungeon World, if you try to help or hinder somebody, you roll plus bond with that person. So I'm going to roll plus one and two d6. That is a 10, baby. Nice. So I'm going to give Lydia a semi-success on her dex roll. Yes, perfect. Okay. She tries to shove Lady Celine, and as she does, Lewid grabs her hand and attempts to yank her onto the horse. And Lydia, as you feel yourself being yanked up by Lewid, maybe you didn't feel like you pushed Lady Celine as far as you thought, but you feel this clammy claw of a hand grasp onto your ankle. And as you're being lifted up onto the horse, you just feel the weight of Lady Soline being dragged down behind you until she eventually lets go and falls face first onto the ground. Lydia clambers onto the horse and she looks back and she's panting and her brain is reeling a little bit. She sees Lady Soline on the ground and she can't look at her very long. Instead, she turns back around and just grasps her brother's waist and tries to figure out why this elf has such control over her. And eventually, with the guards screaming at you all to stop and to come back, the voice of Lady Soline with her low growl shrieking into the city that eventually becomes distant as all of you hustle and book your way to the exit of Ostiel. We are approaching the main gate of Ostiel. It's grand and huge. But the portcullis is down, blocking anyone from leaving the city, as if Lady Selene made sure that nobody would be able to escape tonight. But as we approach, in a carriage of the royal family, I want to know if the guards see this and immediately say that the gate needs to be opened. I'm actually logically going to put this at a 50-50 because I wouldn't find it far-fetched for them to like recognize our heroes as well. Yeah. You want to roll? Sure. I think that's a terrible idea, but yeah, I'll go for it. Okay, 50-50 out of 7. It's a yes. As the wagon wheels on this carriage are just hitting against cobblestone and approaching full speed, we see a few guards at the gate. One of them starts hitting the armor of another one, and he says, "That That's Lady Celine's carriage. Open the gate! Open the gate! And the gears start turning, the chains start cranking, the gate goes open, and Abigail at the front bench, as they're going through this massive archway, she looks at the guards, and she waves to them politely, and she just smiles as they make their way out of the city. And the last thing we see is this beautiful blue and white carriage being pulled down the road by a black and white horse. Diodi and Thebia inside, just feeling every bump as this carriage barrels down the road. Luid and Lydia on Sky Chaser, riding alongside the carriage, the wind in their hair. And Abigail at the front, driving the horses toward the sunrise. She has her eyes firmly fixed on the horizon, because just beyond that is her home, the Ring of the Hand. 
Hell yes. Isn't this exciting? <laughs> Going on a brand new journey. I, I can't express my excitement. I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart or the top of my heart or anywhere else that isn't encompassed in those two regions of my heart for joining us on this brand new adventure of Lewid, Diodi, Abigail, and Lydia's journey with this first episode of Into the Wilderheath. Thank you so much. Very importantly though, I want to thank our most recent Patreon supporters for jumping on board. Thank you so much, Daniel, and thank you so much, Maddie. It means an incredible amount to us that you support us in that way because that means that we are just pushing more and more towards our dreams of making this our job, making this what we do for a living and telling stories. It's our favorite thing in the world. So thank you so much. If there's anyone out there that is not currently supporting us on Patreon, that's okay. But just know that you can get extra content, bonus episodes, access to the Discord, tons of other ways to connect with us and listen to things that you wouldn't be able to listen to on our normal feed. For just $2, you get access to every bonus episode you have not heard yet on our normal feed. So go check it out. The link is in the description of this episode. If you just want to connect with us a little bit more, that's okay too. Uh, check us out. We're most active on Twitter and Instagram at RollAndTellPod. And if you love the show and you want to see it grow, definitely tell all of your friends, everybody you know, your pets, whatever. Just like the best way that we can reach other people is through word of mouth. And if you love us even more, go give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's how we show up on the lists when people type in podcasts and stuff. I want to give a big shout out to Jeffrey because he's the one making the gears turn. He's giving big directorial advice and uh, he is killing it on the Twitter because I, God, I hate Twitter. I'm so glad he does that, not me. This episode and all episodes are edited by me, Christian Pollock. So I want to say thank you for keeping that volume turned all the way up and hearing the small things. Man, this next episode is our first actual steps into the Wilderheath outside of Hostile, so it's going to be a blank slate. And Jeffrey and I are so stoked to see what that brings. We're out of Hostile now. There's no looking back. Let's see what the Wilderheath has to offer to us as we make our way to the Ring of the Hand. But we won't know what any of that is until next time as we roll and tell. It's a dark and stormy night, and you approach the bar. As the woman turns, she says, Who are you, adventurers? My name's Margaret Battlehammer. Did you want to know more about me than that? I'm a dwarf. Can you tell by my height? That's right, and I'm Jump Funding than everyone, leading rhythm looters to the justice-loving friends. I play drums. And I'm the leading rhythm looters to the justice-loving friends. Yeah, you said that already. What? It is my honour to be the near-soul vocalist <laughs> of the justice-loving friends. I am a grung, fled from my people due to their slaving nature. <laughs> but my name is Black. <laughs> a beautiful story, Black. And I'm Morik, the forest father. I play the pan flute. Yep. I'm tall and greeny Morik just looking down at himself like, <laughs> I guess I'm quite furry. <laughs> the woman looks at you fully perplexed and says, oh, that's great. I only needed your names for the coffee order. <laughs> oh, just put it down under Quest Fantastic. A D&D &D actual play podcast. <laughs> what, what a hot mess. <laughs>